Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Cyber 321, making cybersecurity as simple as 321. Uh, this is Sam Glynn and it is March 3rd, 2023. And before I get into uh, this week's edition, I just wanted to mention that I'm now using a slightly different format to Cyber 321. In the past, it was three articles, two numbers and one thing to think about. But uh, while many subscribers have told me that they love the Friday email and the podcast, they tell me that they don't read or listen to every edition because they don't have the time. So the last thing I want to do is add more to-dos to your inbox or to your podcast list. So Cyber 321 is now a shorter countdown of three interesting topics that I've read about during the week. Uh, you might let me know what you think of the new format. And also for the podcast, uh, when I get to the end of the three areas, I'll go back over some of the other articles that I might have shared with my email subscribers earlier in the week. Anyway, on to the topics of the day. Uh, number three, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has taught us many cybersecurity lessons. And that is according to an article in the Washington Post and shared recently by Secure the Village, which describes how the ongoing war in Ukraine has played out in cyberspace. Companies such as Microsoft, Google and Cloudflare have been praised for their work to spot unusual behaviour and block attacks before any significant damage is caused. And Starlink, a satellite broadband system developed by an Elon Musk company, also preserved online access for people in Ukraine when Russian attackers cut optical fibre cables. And previous attacks by Russia on Ukraine's power systems in 2016 enabled Ukraine to know how to block similar attacks when they were launched in 2022. Apparently, governments around the world are now using lessons learned in Ukraine to strengthen their own cyber defences. As the article states, Ukraine's resilience shows that doing the basics is better than doing nothing. Uh, number two uh, this week is why would a small business pay a $150,000 ransomware demand? And this actually comes from a short video that I uh, stumbled upon on Tech Republic, which was an interview recorded in 2021 with the CFO of a small business that had been the victim of a ransomware attack. The firm, which had only eight PCs and about 30 staff, had no way to recover without paying a ransom, which totaled $150,000. While the attack only impacted eight PCs, these PCs controlled machinery on a factory floor, so it meant that 30 staff members were unable to do their job. The firm engaged their cyber insurance provider, who in turn brought in a specialist team to uh, perform some forensics on the attack uh, to understand how it happened and to understand how it could be recovered, and then to negotiate with the gang, uh, negotiating a ransom demand down from $400,000 to $150,000. The CFO of the organisation knows it's strange to say it, but he is grateful that the firm was attacked by a reliable cyber gang because he had been told that many other gangs may not have been able to help him recover his systems, even if they did pay the ransom. I suppose the key question for all of us is, would our organisations be able to pay $150,000 to $200,000 to as a result of an unexpected event within a matter of days? If not, I think it's time we would look at our security defences and line up cyber insurance cover as soon as possible. And number one this week is AI-powered voice replication. AI, artificial intelligence, is the big news story of 2023. 
AI-powered voice may be the big cybersecurity news story of 2023. Uh, an article on Vice and shared by Grog shows how an AI-powered replica of a voice was used to fool a bank's online voice verification system. Apparently, this sort of voice replication can be completed without ever needing to interact with the person in real life. And that is especially true for people that record their voice on things like podcasts. But I will move swiftly on from that. Another article uh, on Scambusters, which is a fantastic name for a site, uh, describes how there have even been cases of AI voice replication being used to fool parents into thinking that they are speaking to their own child on the phone who tells them that they've been kidnapped and they must pay a ransom to get them released. I can think of one way to test whether the caller is really who they say they are, and that is to ask the caller something that only you and they would know. For example, if it was my son, I'd ask him, did you tidy your room before you left the house? And if the caller says yes, then I'd know it's not my son. So anyway, uh, moving on to some of the other things I wrote about earlier in the week. On Monday, um, I thanked my mother-in-law for at least listening to me, even if nobody else does. And that was because during a recent visit from my beloved mother-in-law, she had received a text message on her phone. And as every message is vitally important, she stopped mid-conversation to check it. It took her about six seconds to put the phone back down and tell me it was just another one of those bloody scams that you keep telling me about. Um, And the scam message was an SMS text message that says, Hi mum, I lost my phone. Can you save this number? And a number was given. And send me a message on WhatsApp. Thank you. When I asked my mother-in-law how she knew it was a scam, she mentioned two things. If it was real, her daughter would have put her name in the message. And if it was real, her daughter would have just phoned her to tell her. So what? Well, first, it's good to know that someone listens to me now and again. And also... Uh, It's just to say that these messages are becoming increasingly common as criminals know we are less suspicious of phone messages than email messages. This particular scam is probably trying to fool the recipient into transferring money to the criminal, but a similar approach could be used to fool one of your staff members into transferring company funds. So as I said before, if you are not showing your staff how to be more secure in their personal lives, don't be surprised if they aren't more secure in their professional lives. And I mentioned that it, uh, this all arose from a text message that my mother-in-law had received. And the reason why we knew that she had received the message is because her phone bleeps when any message is received and the volume is turned up to 11. It's so loud that every message causes our neighbour's dog to bark. If only she'd listened to my advice to turn the bloody volume down. Anyway. Uh, on to Wednesday's uh, email, and that was to give your compliance person a hug. Um, if you work in compliance, uh, I wonder if you ever feel like your colleagues regard you as a pain in the neck. And I'm saying that because as a designated member of the Compliance Institute in Ireland, I am technically someone who works in compliance too. And my wife would very easily tell you that I am a pain in the neck. But anyway, if you do think that you're a pain in the neck, it might actually be true. But it's not your fault. Your role in compliance is to ensure that the company complies with regulations. You have to spend a lot of your time thinking about the expectations of your regulators. But your colleagues don't spend their time thinking about regulators. They're probably focused on client activities or internal operational activities. 
you know, those things like trying to get the IT systems and the IT providers to just do what they're supposed to bloody well do. So my post was just to say a compliance job is a tough job because being the one who has to educate everyone else about the latest edict from a regulator is a tough job. And the impending arrival of the DORA Act won't make it any easier. So if you work in compliance, I just wanted to say I know it's a tough gig, but please stick with it. Your regulators and customers need you to keep the firm on the right side of the regulatory road. And if you don't work in compliance, I know they create more work for you, but don't blame them. Blame those pesky regulations. And also because if they don't keep you on the right side of regulations, you could find yourself out of a job. So please give them a hug, give them a thank you card, or just give the compliance person a break. And that's it for this week. Until next time, take care.